everyone. Welcome to the show. It's the Mark and Mark Podcast. I'm sports editor Mark Podolsky, and you are? Entertainment editor Mark Mazuris. So, I got to tell you, I was in Dallas last weekend for the Stipe Miocic fight. He won in two minutes and 22 seconds at UFC 211. And Dana White, this isn't a post-fight, Dana White comes in and they're asking, I think one of the first questions they asked is, Stipe, what do you think about Stipe? And he's like, man, Stipe is the man. But I got to tell you something. Cleveland is killing it. And I thought it was like a profound statement for him to say that about. I don't think he was just talking about Stipe. I think he was actually talking about the Cavs, too, and just the year they've okay. had in general and, and how hot the city is in terms of sports people or sports personalities, teams. And that's what kind of stuff we're going to get in today because right now the, the Cavs, even though they're defending world champions, I don't know how much more on a roll they can be than they were last year. I mean, it's amazing to think that they may be better than they were last year at this point. I think it's fair to say they are. Agree or disagree? Uh, I I guess I haven't thought about it. They certainly didn't have as good a regular season. No, I'm talking about at this point in the playoffs. I I know what you're talking about. I'm I'm trying to think about it on the fly. Um, I think they've got a more talented roster. I mean, they came into the playoffs last year on an incredible run. Remember they were like 28 out of like, 34. Right, so they came into the playoffs kind of scuffling or whatever word you want to use. Right. They've obviously won nine in a row after last night's game one win in Boston. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, I don't know how their de- – I don't know if their defense is quite to where it was last year at this time. I mean, I haven't looked at the numbers. Maybe, yeah. it's, maybe it's as good. Um, I do think I do think top to bottom they're just as talented as they've ever been, which is hard to believe, you say, after the couple years they've had. And to see them finally – clicking on all cylinders and using their parts different ways. Uh, I can't really argue with it strongly. So let's look back. Last year, they finished off the first two rounds of sweeps, right? Yes. And then they played the Raptors in the conference finals. They rolled in those first two games, but those were at home. Right. And then the Raptors made it a series. They won the next two. In Toronto, correct. Right. And then the Indians. The Cavs finished them off in six. So tables are turned a little bit. They, they start the Eastern Conference Finals on the road. I mean, ESPN had a ticker all day that said they had a 60. Whoever had that graphic up ought to be fired. They said the Celtics had a 60% chance of winning game one. Oh, the Cavs were favored, though, right? In Vegas? Yeah, I mean, I don't know where ESPN gets these, these figures together. but Their fancy analytics I mean, department. And I think I talked about this when they won that game, kind of that showdown game, which really 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 wasn't much of a showdown game the way the regular season played out because the Celtics got the one seed. But I just thought this team is not that impressive. And I think it played out again. I mean, and it, and it really all, to me, that team boils down to, if you want to take away Isaiah Thomas, which they did, they have no shot at the Celtics. No, it's hard to see. I mean, I know Kelly Olynyk had a pretty big game, especially for him in the game seven against the Wizards. Once in a lifetime, you know, the kind yeah, of game for and, him. And I think if, I think the Cavs can withstand Olenek having some random 22-point game or whatever. Right. You know, the, Cavs, the Cavs are just – I mean, it was on display last night. They're just so much more talented than the, the Celtics. And we talk about the big three with the Cavs. I mean, where does it start after the big one with guys? And, he's, you know, you're talking about a six-foot point guard. And he's very talented. But if you got a, if you have some height with Schumpert, and my goodness, if you put LeBron on him, <laughs> good luck with that one. You've got, you Which know, they did a few times. The Celtics have a lot of, like – Nice players. Like, you'd love to have that guy or this guy. Yeah. 
but they just don't have enough difference makers. No. I feel like now again, I think they're poised well for the future. They just won the NBA lottery, so they're going to get the first overall right. pick. I could be wrong about this. But I think they have some cap space. Like I think they're as well positioned as any team moving forward. You know, move some things around. But right now, they're not real. I mean, y- you said this before. It's uh, as a number one seed, they're not real impressive. And and go back to the lottery. What that is like one of the strangest things I've I've ever seen in sports. The way that that whole trade from years ago, right, with the Nets played out this year, and then they have their pick for next year too. I think so. The poor Nets. The Nets just the poor Nets. The Nets a few seasons ago just what's what's beyond going all in. They pushed their chips in and then borrowed some more chips and uh, you know and it's they not, won't be relevant. For it's years. not just the poor Nets. It's like the poor Eastern Conference. Like whenever, as long as LeBron stays in the East, it's just good luck. It's just not just, happening anywhere else. I was listening to an ESPN radio show this morning and they were doing a sort of a thought experiment. Would you would you take the Cavs or an, uh, a team of uh, leftover Eastern All Stars? Nobody with the Cavs, you know, your uh, Paul George and they're like, yeah. could you build a team that you think you would take in a seven game series over the Cavs? And they're like, nah, still take the Cavs. I mean, there's no way. I mean, you could build a nice roster. You have a Tampacupo, who I'm knowing, I'm not saying right, and Paul George, and no. the the couple of it's Raptors, not happening. but you'd still take the Cavs, I think. You know, and so the topic, the discussion I want to have today is talking about greatest of all time. That moniker, greatest of all time. It's so subjective. It's so. Um, any way you really want to slice it, discussion. But there's two I want to talk about, and I think it's interesting with LeBron, but also really interesting with the with the other. I'm talking about Stipe Miocic, and you know, if you watched UFC 211, it's just like he's he's walking into this octagon with a sledgehammer, and the one guy is bare knuckle. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable the way he's just mowing through these opponents. But back to LeBron. It's not just that the Cavs are playing well. It's, it's, it's about him taking that game, his game to another level. Are you, you know, when you talk about greatest of all time discussion, I'm talking about Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Will Chamberlain. I think he's, I think he's getting into, into, this, into that discussion. Have you thought about that at all? I mean, it's been a lot of talk lately. I'm not as interested in those kind of sports discussions as I have been, so I haven't been as engrossed in it. Especially with, uh, I know we don't want to get off topic, but with what's been going on in our country, that's been taking a right. lot of my, um, a lot of my attention lately. But um, I, I, I think you have to have LeBron in the conversation. I don't. I also like. I think it'd be ludicrous to not have him in the conversation. I also think if anyone's just so sure at this point that he's the greatest of all time, I don't agree with that either. Right. I mean, you know, I'd still probably go Jordan, at least of people I've played. Yeah. Not that LeBron. Could, I mean, but LeBron, what LeBron's doing in year fourteen is astonishing. So maybe when it's all said and done, I mean, this guy might have, what, two or three more years at, at dominant You know, level? the big advantage know. he had over a guy like Jordan, when he was in year 14, he was with the Wizards, and he was just a shell of himself. Yeah. But he had three years of college, so LeBron never had that. So he gets, right. he gets in like at 18, so it's like... But LeBron, for, for 14 years of basketball, has like the most mileage you could possibly oh, have. No, I, mean, I mean, he's in the final seven straight years. Finals, yeah. So uh, I just think... It boils down to me right now. Still, I think Michael Jordan was the ultimate competitor, piled you know paired with this ultimate skill set. And LeBron is more like LeBron's a competitor. I'm not saying he's not by any stretch. But I don't think he's Michael Jordan. I don't think he wants to kill you in tic tac toe and whatever else you can get in front of you. No, he's not a killer like Jordan was. Uh, but LeBron is the greatest 
LeBron is like the greatest pairing of, of size and skill set. Right. I think Jordan is skill set and uh, not that Jordan's small, right. but he's not like a physically intimidating yeah. thing like LeBron. So I think it was skill set and competitiveness versus skill set and, and size. And you speed. know, there's an argument you could make with LeBron. If he just decided to be an inside player, I mean, he could be probably one of the most unstoppable players of all time. I mean, like when he wants to drive the lane and he wants to do it, you can't stop him. He might miss a bunny here and there, but you're either going to follow him or he's going to get a layup or dunk it. And, you know, he's, he's wanted to incorporate his outside game. People argue, you know, why do you shoot so many threes as he does? And he's, he's decent at shooting threes, but... He's streaky, too. Right. Absolutely. But, you know, I think he's done it for health purposes. He doesn't want to get the wear and tear of the bank. You know? Well, yeah, and if he's hitting his three, how are you going to stop him? Right. You know, you know he's I mean? driving easier. Like, it's in his... I mean, you want to nitpick his game. He could be a better long-range shooter, although he's, he's decent and certainly take it. And I still, even last night, I, I questioned some shot selection. Like, if I never see that turnaround fadeaway shot again in my life, it'll be... I know but he made that one. That was a rainbow. He made, he'll made. he make it occasionally, but I just think... It's a thing of beauty when he makes it. It's a wasted possession when we, you know, but... You know, here, here's the thing. Jordan had the two-year absence where he went to try baseball and whatever. So, he, in theory, he didn't went to six straight finals, but he didn't play six straight seasons. LeBron, this will be his seventh finals if he makes it. Let's let's just assume they're going to win this series. This will be a seven straight finals. Correct. And he's got three finals already wins. I think he's got three MVP finals. So he gets to four. And, well, he, and he, uh, forgive me, he, he was in the finals earlier. Are you counting that? Oh, so whatever. So the Cavs would lost that be to the Spurs. Then? So I think this would be his eighth trip to the finals. He had four with Miami, and wow. this would be his third with the Cavs. Yeah, you're right. So this would be his eighth finals appearance, assuming that everything goes. Across. Yeah. God, it's a lot. Yeah, Eight. it's amazing. So and if he would win, that would be his fourth. I tell you what, man. Like now, if he once he gets to four, he's within two of Jordan. Then you could really, I think, I think that argument becomes really legitimate. And I think at 32, he's gonna play another five. Four or five years, at least, I would think, at a pretty high level, right? You would think. I mean, okay, one one of these years, he's gonna break down. I, I you know what I mean? He is. It's just amazing. He's like you knock on what he's never hurt. I mean, major injuries, like never blown a knee out. Or, you know. No, and you never know how much of it is acting. But even still, in in year fourteen with LeBron, I still, you know, he had that little uh, knee, whatever was going on with his leg yesterday after he fell out of bounds. Right. And he gets up limping. I'm like, oh, this is it. Even though I know it's and not because he comes back to Two minutes later, he's just dunking, you know, exactly. left turn. Remember, I mean, he had, I never get over the finals when he, he went for that dunk that would have clinched it against yeah. the Warriors last year. And he's down. And he's holding his, I think it was his wrist. Wasn't it his wrist or elbow? That, so, where so, he had to shoot left-handed. And Mike yeah. Brown was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, wow, this is the one time he really got hurt, I bet. And you could see how we yeah. could lose the game. But no, he's just indestructible. When Jordan was like that, too. I mean, Jordan did get hurt, I think, his first year in the league. First or second year in the league. I think he blew his knee out. But ever since then, he's, no, I didn't even know that. He did. Yeah, you don't you don't associate with him with injury right. either. He, I think he missed almost a full year. It was either his first or second year with a knee injury. You know, it obviously that's why these discussions are fun. If you want to go Jordan versus LeBron, but they they did play different eras, and I don't think there were these. I don't think there was a team like the Warriors standing in Michael Jordan's way. No, there was not. I mean, you know, LeBron at least left. I, I think you could argue LeBron left that first Dallas uh, Finals appearance. I'm sorry, Miami appearance against Dallas on mm-hmm. the table. They probably should have beaten that Dallas team, but right. like, LeBron's had some pretty darn good teams facing yeah. him. And I, I'd have to go back and look, but I got to think Jordan's team was the favorite in all those finals. Right. I mean, you talk about Bill Russell and his, I think, ten titles or whatever it was, and you know, he was like he was a centerpiece, but he wasn't like an all-world type player. 
He only averaged in the mid-teens. Chamberlain only won one title. I mean, the beauty of Magic and Bird is that they had to go head-to-head. Right. I mean, that was the zenith of the NBA. I mean, that was the Mount Everest. And, you know, I, have, I don't know if you've seen 30 for 30. I don't know if you're big on 30 for 30s. Early June, they've got a two-part series, 30 for 30, coming out about the Lakers, Celtics, 80s. Oh, that'd be good. That, you need to watch. It's a two-parter, so you know they mm-hmm. really dug deep for that one. I mean, I don't know. Are you old enough to remember those those games? Not vividly. I remember <sighs> I remember little bits and pieces. I remember there was some game where I think the Lakers won like 115 to 114. And this might have been regular season, but on a last-second shot by Magic. Or yeah, the, the baby hook. Yeah. I mean, those games were just... I mean, just incredible in terms of the competition. Those guys going ahead, but also the, all the other top fifty NBA players on those teams: Worthy, Kareem, Parrish, McHale. Those kind of. It was and, just, and maybe even maybe even more than Jordan. If there are two players I like watching old YouTube clips of, it's Magic and oh. Bird. I mean, they both just were so. They weren't overpowering anybody. Right. It was just this ultimate basketball knowledge and skill set, and yeah. just so good at doing what they specifically did. I mean, Magic's passing. I mean, sublime. to me. And maybe I'm biased because I grew up in the 80s, but to me, like, I think in that discussion of greatest of all time, you did Jordan with with LeBron and periphery, and then Jordan and or uh, Bird and Magic mixed in there, and you wonder how good their records would have been at the end of the year or at the end of their career. I'm talking about Bird and Magic had they had not had to go head to head for close to a decade. Yeah, yeah. You know, if they were kind of in that Magic era where they could have just Really had no clear obstacle in there. I mean, maybe you, you got Bird or Magic with five or six titles each, or you know. The, the other player people say you should really throw in there, but by the time I was watching basketball, he was past his prime. Is Kareem right? Um, oh, he was incredible. Big men get left out of this discussion, yeah. but um, I'm a little sorry I didn't see Kareem in his prime because he must have been. Something. I mean, even back in the mid '80s, with this. Lakers, he was at the tail end, but he was still... Oh, he was still good, but I didn't watch yeah. that guy thinking, like, oh, he's one of the best right. players. Yeah, yeah. That, that hook, that sky hook. That sky hook is a thing Unbelievable. So, I mean, you wonder, okay, so if LeBron's got four or five years left in him, and he gets, let's say he gets to six. I mean, would I think, you know, I think he'd have to surpass Jordan. I mean, it seemed unthinkable when Jordan retired, didn't it, that anybody would ever reach him? Yeah. But I don't know. Like, I thought maybe Kobe had a chance because Kobe has that same competitive. Kobe won four too. I, we don't really put him in that discussion right now. It's weird, isn't it? No, because I think Kobe's the tail end of his career, you know, and he kind of became this ball dominating kind yeah. of ball hug guy. But like, and I'm not saying Kobe's the best ever, but don't sleep on Kobe. Kobe had a nice career. Kobe was an amazing player. Right. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think in a lot of people's mind, it, it'll always be Jordan, no matter what LeBron does. But if he somehow gets six titles, especially in this era, you talk like. Figure the Warriors are going to kind of stay together. Yeah, that means beating them a couple more times, probably. That'd be impressive. How are you feeling right now with this team and getting to the finals? It's 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 going to be getting to the finals. It's it's a, it's a lock. It's done, right? It's a lock. They're getting to the finals. I mean, you know, knock on wood, barring some terrible injury, something could always happen. Right. But um, I'm worried about the finals. Yeah. Speaking of all time great discussions, I mean, we're sitting here. Last year, we had Stepe Miosic. In this office, we're recording our podcast with Stipe. He had just become UFC World Heavyweight Champion. And we're just kind of like, eh, you know, what's it like being champion? It's, you know, he's kind of all new at this. And, let, you know, a year later, he's got two title defenses to his name. And that's how volatile the UFC Heavyweight Division is. It's, it's a really deep division. You know, all you need is one punch and, it, you know, good night. And you're handing the belt to somebody else. 
But in two fights, how much things have changed with this guy? I mean, he's one fight away. He's one win away to potentially being the greatest of all time. It's just amazing. See, this is, I think, where I think, you know, we talk about sports fans in Cleveland and how tough it's been for half a decade or half a century to endure all the heartbreak and, and, and you know, defeats and blah, 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 whatever. But in, in less than a year, we, the Cavs win a championship. We got LeBron talking about, we got, we got a guy like LeBron talking about being the greatest of all time. And then we got a guy like Stipe coming out of nowhere, a kid raised in Lake County. And I know UFC is not a mainstream sport for a lot of people, but I mean, it's closer I, than it used to it's be. It's closer than it used to be. And I think, you know, this is starting to become a tidal wave with this guy in terms of, you know, I, I remember I wrote a column that he's sort of turned into Cleveland's Rocky and how much people admire him just for the way he's down to earth, kind of fun loving. But, you know, just I think it's enjoy this time with a guy like LeBron and a guy like Stipe. You know, how, you, you, don't, you don't know how long this is going to last. I, I, I have two questions for you based on uh, the Stipe, your recent Stipe experience. The easier one is, I mean, and considering you're not like someone who covers the Kentucky Derby, did you ever think you'd fly halfway across the country for <laughs> two plus minutes of a of a? I know event? that's that, that's the that's the amazing thing about the sport is that, and, but you know that's why people tune in, and you know it, you know people talk about the beauty of you know the boxing and, and the mastery of, of learning the trade, but what do people really want to see? Oh, they want to see knockout. they want to see the big hitters. Just, Preferably you want to see it in round five, not yeah, round one. But, right. Uh, I know. mean, you know. It's kind of Tyson-esque. Just get it done in round that, one, isn't That's it? what he's turning into, and yeah. it's amazing. Because he, hasn't been cha- he hasn't really been challenged since he won the title, right? No. I mean, it's – and actually, it's, it happened before he won the title. I mean, this guy, he, he beat Junior Dos Santos. He lost him in 2014. Ever since then, he has just annihilated everybody in front of him. And he kind of credited this guy for kind of helping him. Turn turn things around, turn his career around in terms of his focus and his you know belief that he can be the champion. And now that he is, I tell you what, uh, it's gonna. I asked Junior after the fight, like, what's gonna take someone to beat Stipe? He goes, it's gonna take a lot. <laughs> it's gonna take a lot because you know Junior Dos Santos is known as one of the best boxers, you know, strikers in the UFC. And I tell you what, you'd be. I don't, I don't know how you can say that now. With Stipe, he's the best boxer. He's the best puncher in this in the UFC. So, segueing into my other question, we're here in Northeast Ohio, so we hear a lot about Stipe. I know you, so I hear a lot about Stipe. Right. How much of a is Stipe a draw yet with people in you know UFC fans in California? Or is he? Where is he as far as a name in general? Yeah, you know, I was curious about that because when we got the uh, Tim Phyllis, who was the photographer, very talented guy. He he came with me, took some great photos for the News Herald and Morning Journal. We flew into Dallas on two, Thursday morning, got there about 10. They had open workouts at this MMA gym just about a mile from where the uh, UFC arena was. And so we, we took a Uber right to the gym. And it was it was open workout. You could have anybody who wanted to be there. So there's probably about three, four, five hundred fans there. And I was wondering, you know, because there's a big um, – Latino and Mexican, and I think that uh, Brazilian or Junior DeSantis from big population in mm-hmm. Dallas. So I figured, and this, this Joanna girl who was in a co-main event, she, she's from Europe. So uh, th- there is a lot of, uh, and she's been around for a while, so there's a lot of interest in those fighters. 
but I was w wondering, like, okay, were they, you know, are they big fans? And when Stipe came out, man, like, they were like, Whew. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I mean, like, really, Stipe, you know, and, and when he got announced at the weigh-in, biggest, big, really, the biggest applause. I just think people love, they appreciate dominance. They appreciate, you know, kind of what he brings, that, that blue-collar work ethic. And he's a, definitely a fan favorite, but I think, you know, he's never going to give you that wow factor. Right. He's just, that's just not how he is. I mean, he, he, he said that. He goes, if they want to promote me, they can pr promote the hell out of me. I'm not going to change who I am. I'm, this is who I am, and I'm down to earth. And, you know, Conor McGregor, loud. Yeah, I don't see Steve A. Doing he, he's Conor never going to be Conor McGregor. You know what I mean? He's not going to sit there and start pounding the table saying, I'm the greatest of all time. I, I know it's not boxing, but I, I think back to like when Mike Tyson was at the top of the boxing world, and there's just something about having a dominant heavyweight that excites me. You know, the, yeah, the biggest, no toughest guy, and all right, keep bringing challenges yeah. until someone can beat him. It's, and I'm holding my fists up for an audience. It's like a tough man contest. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's just, exactly. it's, it, there's something to it that people gravitate to. I mean, as much as we love the middleweights, the, the Pacquiao's, the Conor McGregor, you know, we're talking about this Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather Jr. crossover bout, you know, those are great and they're fun, but they can, you know, they can kind of lull you to sleep. And I tell you what, once you get those guys throwing those haymakers, that's what, that's what they come for. So, yep. so we'll see, you know, he, you know, Stipe is hinted that he's going to maybe take a little break. So it might be a while until we see him again, but I think the hype for that one, because that's going to be the big one. If he can win that, he would, He'll be the only guy to defend the belt three times. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, no heavyweight has ever defended the belt three times. That's why they're saying if he does it, how do you not make him the best of all time? So all right. See. All right, so let's end that discussion. We're going to jump into pop culture and movies. We, we're we sitting here with our mentor shadow, Bella, and this is her final day. Hi, Bella. Hi. How you doing? We all saw... Are here the whole time? I yes, I know. <laughs> we, uh, we all saw Alien Covenant last week. Group family outing. Oh, man. <laughs> and I, listen, I love jump scares. I love the Alien franchise, except for the last two. They stink. But I, the first two I love. And I think the Alien Predator movies are kind of fun. And just, I like that you're talking about crossover. Right. It's, it's, it, they're, they're better than I would expect. Yeah. I'm not sure I even saw the second one, but the first one was they're, better. They're fun. And, but this one, I don't know. You know, it's maybe. So Ridley Scott's directing. He's the he's the father of the Alien franchise. Right. So he did Prometheus in 2012, which was a prequel to the whole franchise. Right. And this is a sequel to that, and it's a prequel to the other movies. But this is the first time Ridley Scott is doing a quote-unquote alien movie since 1979's Alien. Yeah, so my question to you as movie critic, this felt a lot like maybe some sort of reimagining of the original Alien a little bit. Am I wrong? A little bit too much. Yeah, I know. I, so, I mean, it goes to a bigger trend. I mean, The Force Awakens is, in a large way, Star Wars A New Hope repackaged. Uh, the Blair Witch, whatever they called the new Blair Witch Project. It was, was just called Blair of, Witch. Right. It was kind of similar to the that's And I'm, I know I'm leaving other examples on the table because it's hot in here and I can't think. <laughs> but um, that's the trend right now is to revisit, not just revisit, revisit franchises and properties and characters, but to also kind of stick to the same story too much. I know it's hard to come up with original yeah. stories, but 
you know, I ultimately gave this movie two and a half stars out of four because I thought it was entertaining right. and it was scary. And I was trying to keep it in my belly would turn to me and go, you know, talking about characters, don't go in that room. Like, <laughs> they're going to go in that room and they're going to get slaughtered. Right. But so it was fun. I, I thought, you know, Ridley Scott's a good director, but I just thought, I just thought there was nothing truly interesting about it. You know, they continue to try to mine this territory and explain how the aliens came to be. Right. It's fine. I thought yeah. Prometheus was a little bit more interesting, even though. And Prometheus might be more to my taste. I'm a I'm a David Lindelof fan. He wrote that movie. He did Lost and The Leftovers. So I like his work, but a lot of people don't like his work. This to me needed that kind of like Lindelof mystery. Yeah, it tried to have it. It had some of it. It, it just never kind of worked. It kind of worked. I think. I think what was lacking is, you know, the beauty of the Alien franchise was was Sigourney Weaver as, as Ripley. Just. The way they crafted her and wrote her into the screenplays was just, she was just awesome. And the, the new girl, I can't, I can't I remember. Think Catherine Waterston. Yeah, she was from the Dangerous uh, Fantastic, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Right, and she's fine. And she's <laughs> so I I don't want to hate on her because I don't think she's bad at all. But now she's she's been the lead uh, woman in two big big Hollywood blockbusters, and I just don't really feel like she's delivered. She she's not that Sigourney Weaver. She's not. Um, I don't know. I was just I was sitting there thinking like I, I wish the heroine of this movie really compelled me and yeah. I, I wanted to like follow her into hell or whatever. Well, you know, I think that's you make an interesting case with her because I think that movie, the first one, the Fantastic Beast. Yeah, she was the, the female lead, but I think that movie was centered more along the lines of um, the, the, the 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 male. Yeah, um, drawing a blank on his that weird too, name he had and the, the and, theory, yeah, and all his weird creatures. Eddie so, Redmayne's character, Eddie, right? And it was more like a. Fanta- you know these fantastical creatures, and you know that's the name of the movie. But, it, but, and then obviously with this one too, you're waiting for the big, you're waiting for the alien. You know what I mean? And, and I gotta be honest with you, that kind of let me down. I thought, and I'm not gonna be spoilers here, but I thought it was, it, I was expecting more out of the quote unquote alien of the movie. That's because, and again, we don't, you know, I'm not going to give specifics here, but really the alien is not the villain of this movie. Right. I um, know. You know, and, and I don't want to give details about that. But you know, when you call it Alien Covenant, you got to deliver here. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and I, I just didn't think they earned, the villain being what it was didn't really make sense to me exactly. Yeah. I thought they tried to get there. They tried to do something interesting there. But at the end of the day, you know, it's just like, hey, there's another ship, people in uh, stasis. Yeah. Coming across an alien, you know, I don't know. I just thought they'd do something. I will say two things. You probably do need to watch Prometheus to get a full understanding of it. I wish I had rewatched it. And and Bella, you did watch it. Did it help you out? It helped you understand, like, little pieces, like the ship and who the girl was and her role. Yeah, I mean, there are are two key characters you need to know about from Prometheus. And if you saw the movie, you know the way way it ends and two characters go off to this planet. So you'll have a better understanding of what exactly, but you're just, I think you're right that the motivation behind the, the, per, the, the main villain of this movie is a little unclear, I guess. You know, it's just, I just didn't think they earned it. It didn't exactly work for me. It didn't ruin, you know, again, I like this movie more than right. I disliked it, but I just didn't think they nailed it. One thing I did like about this movie, and I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I thought that the way, the way they built suspense in this film is pretty good, I think. I mean, I, I was on the edge of my seat for a, a, quite a bit in terms of the middle acts. How did you guys feel about that? Um, to me, I mean, kind of, but you kind of knew that 
Yeah, it was kind of predictable. Yeah, we right. all, these were all very familiar. Like, right. <laughs> these people are about to die. Right. You know, uh, don't look right into that <laughs> right. thing. That's not going to go well right. for you. Right. So, you know, like I said, Ridley Scott knows filmmaking. He knows how to craft moments. But I just didn't think it was anything I hadn't seen before or didn't expect. Um, we talked a couple weeks ago about the MVP of Guardians of the Galaxy, who I believe is Drax. And not to that same level, but I think Danny McBride was the MVP of this movie, especially with Catherine Watterson's character, I think kind of uninteresting. Yeah. You needed that brash, he uh, wasn't exactly over the top, but just kind of, um, I, guess, I guess over the top type of male character that kind of uh, yeah. balanced it out. Because I've never seen Danny McBride in anything other than a comedy. And while he brings some of those sensibilities, he really has to kind of act and there's some dramatic moments for him. And I thought he, I thought he was an asset. Yeah, I saw movie. that. You mentioned that in your in your review, which I'll tag onto the show notes. But uh, you know, I I was felt I felt like you in terms of Catherine Watterson. I think I was wanting maybe a little bit more out of him. I thought he was okay, nothing great. I think I think they maybe underutilized him a little. I, bit. I guess because I expected so little, and I didn't think he'd be as important to the story as he was. And right. I thought he rose to the occasion. Yeah. But. And if you know, if you are any film or franchise or fan of the franchise, you know that. Ridley Scott has mentioned that they're going to make more of these movies. So it definitely gives you that, the ending of this film gives you, definitely gives you the feeling of there's more to come. My idea with this franchise is, like you were saying, like, you know, are they going to maybe go into the Aliens, you know, realm, the sequel to Alien back in the mid-80s, which I love. But, you know, I kind of hope they don't do that. I think the one thing they haven't done with this franchise, which I think would be fantastic, and they have done it a little bit with Alien Predator, is bring these aliens to planet Earth. Like, you know what I want to see? I want to see people at a Panera drinking their coffee. I want to see an alien crash through that window. I mean, seriously, that would be incredible. <laughs> we need to get you a meeting with 20th Century Fox. I think you just crashed. I mean, something's just like... So out of whack, you would be like, what the hell is yeah, going because on? Because you could have the little mouth inside the big mouth go right to the storefront window. And... <laughs> right. I mean, you know. I kind of want to see this movie also. You know what I mean? Like, that's something that I had. Like, if you, think about if you had not just like 10 or 20. Let's think if you had a thousand of these things running up. Running up running I'm surprised up. they haven't done that. I mean, yet. think about that. I mean, where, where you could take that. I mean. I don't know how you do that movie, though, and still have it be a prequel to these other movies. Right, they're I know. Kind of, right. It's the problem with prequels. You've boxed, your, boxed yourself in. I'm not trying to get good on a big jag here, but the more... I know we both like Better Call Saul. The more that show gets closer to Breaking Bad, to the degree, the less I like it. So, yeah. you know, the more freedom you can have to tell any story you want, the better. And I think I think they're in a little trouble there. Um, where do you think they're going with this? I mean, do you think they're going to... Are they going to connect this... like? If you didn't see Rogue One, I'm sorry. This is just major spoiler. But at the end of Rogue One, it takes you right into Episode Four from 1977, A New Hope, Star Wars. I mean, like literally, like minutes. Do you think we're gonna eventually we're gonna get the, some sort of movie that connects you right into the original Alien? Maybe. I, don't I, think, really I know. Really like, I, I, I think that's kind of what they they wanted to do, wasn't it? I, I guess you know, like you said, Ridley Scott wants to make many more of these, and I, I do think this one, from what I've heard, they've got another one written, but. You know, you're Mr. Box Office. I think the box office has to be there, and then they'll proceed. I didn't see the box office. Well, open. We saw it so long ago. Oh, that's open, right. It opens tomorrow. So I thought, I'm thinking, what the heck? Well, I almost, I almost made this mistake earlier and asked you what the box office was. We saw this a week and a half ago. Did you see so. Guardians? $145 million. Was that your prediction? I don't remember. I think I was. No, I was at like 170 I think. Oh, okay. So a lot of people were seeing it in that 150 mix. So it came under. That's still a great 
that's still a great opening for them. Yeah, well, like so. As far as the aliens, like I, I haven't burned any brain cells trying to figure out where this is going, but yeah. I'll I'll stick around. For these it. are these are fun movies, and it's just they're they're kind of going weird, a little weird with these films. If so. you want to look up, I, I was trying to do a little homework. I, I was searching online for like video recaps of the movies, and there's this like four minute, six minute mashable thing that does like a quick little comical cartoon about each little movie. Oh, really? It's worth watching. It's really funny. Check they say, that out. They say like in Alien Four, they they try to. Uh, Make a hybrid of uh, uh, Ripley and the Alien Queen. Right. And they say it doesn't really work as a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Alien Four is not good. So, um, two movies are coming up in the next few weeks. I want to gauge your interest. We'll probably talk about them. Baywatch. Just you know, talking about a summer movie. That's just it looks like a fun summer movie. I'm so excited about Baywatch. I it's am. a little. Alarming. Are you are you excited for Baywatch? Uh, only because we talked about this before. I like the director so. Um, I, I think I'll go if you're going to go with me on Monday. I'll try to get there. Okay. And then in two weeks, the big one, Wonder Woman. I tell you, it's getting good reviews. I mean, they've already they've been screening it. You know, this is good for DC. DC has held off reviews till the week of release. I think they did it with Suicide Squad and Batman v Superman. And to, to screen it three weeks out, that's, that's saying that they may have a lot of confidence in this movie. I... I think it's gonna be decent. Like you know, again, comes down to the director for me, and I think it's Patty Jenkins, and she's done good movies. So I, I'm guessing this will be the best DC movie yet. But that's not saying a whole heck of a lot. Yeah, I know you so. would disagree. Well, here's what will happen. We'll come back in two weeks. Maybe we'll have seen Baywatch. Talk about Baywatch. And then, have you heard of a screening date for Wonder Woman yet? Yes. When is it? I don't know. Off the top of my head, it's that Tuesday. Okay, so it'll be like end of May, May 30th around there. Yeah, it's probably gonna be the same night as the Cavs game as all these freaking screenings are i know so all right well that's gonna wrap up this week if people want to follow you on twitter you were at at mark mazoris and bella this is your last day how was your shadowing experience at the news so service? much fun thank you for the experience no problem and i am at m Poto. so until two weeks from now thanks for listening this has been a production of the news herald in willoughby ohio part of 21st century media and digital first media